The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hello, friends, and welcome to 5G Talent Talk. I'm super happy to have you here today. And I'm also very, very excited to have with me my guest, Jason Inskip. Jason is the director of the 5G Center of Excellence for AT&T. And we're going to hear a little bit about what that is in a moment. Jason, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so what is your role at AT&T? I just find it fascinating, but tell us a little bit about your role and also what is the 5G Center of Excellence? Yeah, it's a very interesting role. I got uh, you know, lucky enough to fall into it as we kind of develop a business strategy toward 5G. Obviously, as the technology began to evolve, I guess it was late December 2016, I think now, People were starting to think about, hey, what is 5G? What does it mean? And of course, at that point in time, we all were like, I have no clue, right? From a business perspective, right? Plenty of people have been diving into it technically. So the team kind of started then a little bit more product focused. Fast forward to mid-2019 and it seems like, okay, we've got a good plan of how to attack it. Let's go figure out how to scale it. And you know, the team was put together to look at you know, the changes that have happened, which are not just technical, right? There's some fundamental operational changes, how you view the world, especially from a business lens. And the team was kind of put in place to help that charge, right? Help scale those things that are needed, both messaging, technical, operational, and just try to, I kind of sometimes say, not just think outside of the box, but rebuild it, right? What's, mm -hmm. What do we need to do different as we move forward? So that was the role and intent. We have about a three-way split, a third of the time, most of the time, really with customers. Part of that time is with our internal product teams and marketing. And then there's another time that's really in-depth with the technical. And the idea is to translate between those three things to get to, you know, quote unquote, Goldilocks for the optimal thing on the other side. So hmm. that's the rule. I love that. Build the box. Don't just think outside it. Yep. Build it. Yep. That's, uh, that's what you need to do with 5G for sure. You have a fascinating story and, you know, how you got into this type of work and also, you know, a little bit about your journey. So can you talk about that? Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, I sometimes get poked at saying that don't talk technical. And I don't think of myself as technical at all. I think of myself as a good translator. And I hearken back and I know what you're referring to is, you know, how do you associate that based on what you do in life, right? And, you know, I came from the oddest of backgrounds compared to what I do now, right? True blue collar, grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And as I progressed through college and technical and these kind of things, you know, dad and parents would say, hey, what do you do? Right. And it's not that they're, you know, less smart or they're just different. Right. In terms of how they mm -hmm. associate things and how they look at things. So my benchmark always was if I could translate it for dad. Right. Then I could translate it for anybody. And that, that wasn't, you know, make it simple. That was just make it contextual. Right. So, you know, we used to talk about, you know, hey, if you're doing a sensor IoT on a tractor and how does that play into the field and your yield and your crop rotation, I can do that with technology now. And then you see the light bulbs click. 
right? And those kind of things I've carried forward in this role because you have that. And, you know, there's a difference between a wireline person and a wireless person. There's a difference between an application person and a network person. And they talk different, they act different, they perform different. So getting them to understand one another sometimes takes that, I call it ducks and bunnies a lot of times, but it's just, hey, yeah. let me put it in your context, right? It's, that's all it is. It's not making it simple. It's just making it contextual. And that, again, started really with, you know, I was doing technical roles, doing technical jobs, and, you know, dad was curious, right? But to help him understand, if I just started speaking about spectrum and radios and this and that, over his head, right? Not fair. But if I can twist that scenario to put it in context of what matters to them, it becomes easier to grasp. And hopefully you move along to those things you need. So, yeah, that's the genesis of the background. And I think carry for all the technical, whether I have it or not, the thing I probably do best is translate and take those really complex things and break them down. That is a skill that is so needed, I believe, in today's world in telecom for many reasons. But number one, you know, we're selling 5G to the enterprise, it's not you know, just an incestuous, mm-hmm. you know, just between us anymore. I mean, we're looking yeah. at outside people that don't understand it. They don't understand, they've never heard the language before. And so I think it's an incredible skill to have a translator. And I, I love the way that you put that. That reminds me of, you know, this whole concept that IT telecom or tech and telecom are converging. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's different than it was five years ago or even two years ago. Yes. So what is driving this shift? Yeah, it's really, I think, based on two big things. And oftentimes, if you see 5G presentations, it talks about, hey, more IoT, lower latency, blah, 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 more liability, all the, I say, buzzwords that come with 5G. But as I think about, to your point, the enterprise, it kind of revolves around three premises that we didn't do when we talk about it in prior Gs, right? We talked about it in prior Gs as hey, more bandwidth, better map, better pricing. And that was really your focal point. Now you're at a point because of, to your question, virtualization and democratization of spectrum, there are now a lot more players that can play in this world that was typically a very closed ecosystem, very closed system. But as the technology has outpaced the learning, you've got this, I don't want to call it a gap, but you've got to create the unicorns in between. Right, the people mm-hmm. that can see both sides, not necessarily understand the depth on both sides, but start to understand the aggregation points, right? Where wired okay. meets wireless, where app meets network, because there's you know tuning of distance versus performance versus experience that you really didn't have to think about before. It was over the top. You just right. did what you needed to do, right? especially on the wireless side. Wire a little different. So now you know you've got to be able to speak both again translate between both languages. Uh, to really be successful and our customers, you know, kind of go into the, what else has changed. The first thing I want to do with the customers, throw the G out the window, right? Let's just talk about mm-hmm. cellular inherently, because most of the time you're coming from a Wi-Fi background, a other wireless background, and there's similarities, but they're differences. And those differences affect the operational models and the cost models and everything else downstream. And it's, again, understanding what those are that will make and give our customers the ability to make those decisions. If we can't give them both before and after, it's going to be hard for them to make that transition. So again, kind of closing your question, for the enterprise, forget the G, right? The enterprise wants to know what does this thing do, right? How do you make my thing better with what you're doing? And that doesn't necessarily mean it's 3G, 4G, or 5G. It means it's 
a cellular construct with these features based on place, time, and available spectrum. Hmm. And that's kind of the change. Yeah. Every time I talk to you, Jason, I really get things like I've never gotten them before. And you have this magical way of just making everything, you said not necessarily simple, but it's clear. It just feels clear. And I think in today's world with telecom and where we're going in the future and 5G and you know what you're doing with AT&T, I think it's important to be clear and let, like you said, enterprise know, this is how we can help you. This is your solution. And then they really get it. I wanna ask you this question because I'm wondering about this. Mm -hmm. So what will telecom look like in five years? Will telecom go away and the industry will be called tech? Whoa, that's a good one. Could, I think it really could because you're seeing the blurriness happen between application needs to inform network, network needs to inform application to achieve the next generation of technology. I won't say use cases because use cases is the action. The technology is the tool that completes the action. Right. So as right. my action wants more, right, network needs to inform app. So you're seeing this converged type of mentality to where the lines get blurrier, not just between wired and wireless, but between the things that support around it and the things that go into the ecosystem. So in a sense, it will change. I don't know if it's the change maybe as far as what you're thinking, right, because there's still some things wired that are never going to change. There's some things in cloud that are never going to change, but that aggregation point, that meet me point between all those things, that has a big opportunity in front of it, right? A big opportunity. And I don't think we even know what that opportunity is yet. And you think about it in terms of a lot of conversations now, and I'm sure you've had these on edge computing, right? And edge computing at a high level, you're like, okay, great. I get it. But there's edge computing and there's edge networking, right? Their nirvana is both of those work harmoniously. And that's what edge computing at the you know, standard level is trying to do. If you break it down a step further, you've got edge networking and edge computing. Edge networking, I think, kind of will lead the way as flattened because that helps the developer know where and what knobs I can turn in terms of application without basing it on lowest common denominator. Conversely, there's still an opportunity for security before I get to that use case. So those, all those things at the aggregation point, that aggregation point is really changing fast, right? In terms of what the network could look like, how the security stack comes behind it, and then ultimately what are the knobs and twists we can do to make compute play nice in that space or optimize itself in that space at scale. So long answer, short question. Yes, it, it'll change. I don't know what to extent, but there has to be some changes as you start thinking about solving business and personal challenges with the tools that are being promised of tomorrow. I agree. And I want to coin a term called techcom because I think that could be our new industry, techcom. techcom. Anyway, that's for another day. Okay. Yeah. So um, <laughs> a lot of people are really challenged these days with selling in the telecom space. It's different. Okay. It's very, very different than it used to be. As, mm -hmm. Even like I said, just a year or two ago. So, you know, the customers are different. The products are different. The choices are different. How do you win in this new world of selling? You know, right now is a big transition phase, right? I mean, you're coming in from, you heard me earlier mention democratization of spectrum and virtualization, right? That is a total shift from a networking perspective overall. And we've been talking about it for several years. So it's not a new concept. 
But in mobility, it is very new concept, right? You didn't start seeing virtualization on the LTE network until what three, four, five years ago, maybe, right? So LTE was around in the monolithic sense and then virtualized. Okay, great. What does that mean? Because it's all internal to start. And now you're like, well, how do I take that and make that external? So, you know, you have a traditional, maybe network-minded mentality that now is, has an opportunity toward this cloud-type mentality. You have the cloud that can now start taking on a network mentality. So you have one moving to the left and one moving to the right. And you're kind of like, you're trying to help the customer at the same time because the customer is hearing from the right side of the telecom methodology, maybe from the bottom up. You're hearing from the cloud provider coming from the top down. Both have a valid meeting point at that aggregation point, right? Which is that, I think, new big opportunity, right? Is how that new meet me point looks. But we've got to educate the customer in context across the whole thing. And that's the challenge and the opportunity, right? Because customers mm-hmm. are craving, hey, how can I drive my business better? How can I insert value statement, right, into my business? They don't care how it's done, right? They just want to know what's best for the business, mm-hmm. right? So it's imperative, at least right now, that they're getting a clear picture of what's changing, right? And the two points I made before kind of start that pyramid. And then what does that mean over time? And again, there's not a clear picture of what the overall scale look like given we're just at the tip of the iceberg on this stuff, right? We're just starting to see a major pivot. And, you know, people talk about it, hey, 5G is going to change everything. But I don't think it's for the reasons that they think. The reasons that we see are more around that convergence and around that new way to approach environments, right? Not so much on the speeds and feeds perspective that has been every other generation, seemingly. Right. I agree with you. And that approaching a customer and having this converged conversation, right? Are you saying that the people that are going to be successful, the companies that are going to be successful are the ones who can really just paint the whole picture for the customer and include all the pieces. You know, how do you introduce this converged conversation to a customer that really doesn't understand what's happening? It's not easy, right? The first thing that we're trying to do is just educate in context, right? So looking for folks that understand, you know, really the end to end, the life of the packet. Customers are getting so much noise from different directions on, you know, 5G is going to solve everything. 5G is going to do this. CBRS is going to do that. Edge is going to do this. And they're hitting it all from different angles. And there's a, some truth behind telling the truth, right? Is here's what it is, right? Here's what's changing. Here's the commonalities amongst these different things. Because right now, because of all this new stuff that is value add by itself, how do you find Goldilocks to make the optimum? Because all of these different things can work in a standalone and provide value. But then the challenge is, how is that? aggregated across the different pieces, right? When you look at time to scale. So what we've really thought about in the past three years, and one of the things we're probably as proud about as anything is how we approach from a methodology perspective, working with the customers, right? From a perspective of, you know, hey, you've got these characteristics to think about from spec, from the backhaul to core, to use cases, to user types, to data management, to data ownership. You've got all these different things that play into both your application and now into your network. And it's really trying to help them understand the big picture. That's where we are today. Now, that's leading to some big, big opportunities and big questions with customers and internal, but there's still a lot of roadmap. There's still so many things that are coming where we have to continue day by day to fail fast, relearn, and do it again. That's the opportunity in front of us. And it's for our customers as well. They're all 
trying to figure it out. And we're proud to be on the front end of it. So it's very, very fun. Yes. And there, uh, AT&T is lucky to have you too, because you're doing a great job with your role. I think you're absolutely perfect for the role that you're in at the 5G Center of Excellence. How do we need to think differently to deploy and monetize 5G? Well, you've still got, the, again, the, there's table stakes, right? Which is everything that we've done before as a carrier, whether you're AT&T, Verizon, or even the new, or Timo or whoever, there's table stakes conversations, which really are focused on making sure that consumers have the bandwidth and needs that they have, right? The second piece is, is a big opportunity on, again, to the points earlier, virtualization, democratization. How do I help my customers kind of make a transition to the new world, right? And those things right now are really an education phase, right, for us mm -hmm. and what we do with our customers and trying to plot that roadmap in context with the noise, right? That's a big part of my mm. job. And it can be very fulfilling, but it can also be very frustrating, right? Because a company like AT&T, we have the ability to do everything across the board from wired, wireless, Wi-Fi, so forth and so on. We have all those offers, which is the gift and the curse, right? So when you have everything, sometimes it's hard to get to the optimal side because you don't have to pigeonhole. But that also creates a continuous learning aspect that we have to continually learn, have to continue to challenge ourselves internally. And that's been a, a big focus as well. And you'll see that continue to mature in the industry, but we're continuing to try to drive that from internal as well. Well, if I answered so, that question or not. so You did. I understand. I got it. Let's talk about AT&T's 5G strategy. How mm -hmm. is it different than its peers? So in the new space, the first thing you kind of say is peers in the new world isn't the same as peers in the old world, right? So peers in the 4G, 3G, 2G were Timo and Verizon, right? So in that case, it was who could deploy the spectrum fastest, you know, who's got the best radios in this area, best price and those sort of things. Map speed feeds, right? That's prior generation. Democratization comes out, you know, different other factors with spectrum, virtualization, those things happen. It's not just those guys anymore. There's those guys plus everybody else that can now step into the space because of these opportunities that are in front of us as well. They're not just limited to the new people, they're us as well. So when I see, you know, that competitive landscape, first thing is I try to isolate what do we have or what does AT&T do overall asset-wise, right? We've got fiber in the ground around the country. We've got radios and network around the country. First net deployment, right? So for our first responders, takes care of that. And I, I thank you for your service, I believe, as well, right? So we've yes, got that. Yes, thank you. So as we think about those assets, fiber, spectrum, end-to-end, -end, that's what our customers are thinking about, right? They care about experience. Experience isn't just the cellular network. It's the end-to-end. -end. So okay. to me, when I look at an enterprise customer, how do I supply that full end-to-end -end experience from packet origination to central and back, right? So that's where I see us being different than a lot of the peers in the new world. Then mm -hmm. you're down to... The operators on the sailor side, there's differences in spectrum deployments and those kind of things that are still there. Our strategy led in with business, right? We saw the business opportunity first. We really went down a path that was probably more geared toward a private sailor edge sort of deployment to start. Not that the other, again, tier one operators, Timo and Verizon, you're going to see them do that as well. So it was more of a timing thing on those areas. And I see them in the same category again. And you're going to see that scale where we started and we're putting the impetus into 
is focusing on the business, right? We think there's a big mm -hmm. opportunity for us to enable the business to enable their customer. If we can give them a flat operating platform of differentiation, both at their site and as their people move between sites, we think that's the differentiation that our customers needs given the assets that we have and the scale that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. And then you also, that pertains into a lot of customers are multinational, so global footprint coupled with our IoT background there as well. So, you know, we give them that scale from end to end. And we feel like as we've aligned to the business aspect, that's going to be very differentiated for us going right. forward. You know, one other thing that AT&T has done well is attracting, retaining, and developing talent. And, you know, in this new converged world, I want to ask you, you know, how tough or easy is it to find people that have the skill sets that you need to really be successful in this converged world? Yeah, I got lucky. I got uh, put in a program seven years ago now that dropped me out of a sole wireless world into the wired world. So I hadn't really talked about switches and routing since college, right? And I've just been in pure software heaven. So I got dropped in a world that forced me to figure that out again, right? Which it came back. It didn't take long. But now I'm, you know, fast forward, I'm doing what I'm doing now and it's all just kind of rolls off. But I see that others that either have one side or the other, they need, again, the translation of, okay, yeah, I use a good example that I use often. In Wi-Fi, you have a certificate. The certificate is equivalent to the SIM card, right? It's so, you don't think about it. You're like, the light bulb goes off. Like, I didn't even, okay, I got it now. I understand what that means, right? And the correlation mm -hmm. between the two. A good portion of the time, yeah. That sort of correlation gets people over the hump, mm. but I haven't seen it at scale yet. We're still looking for those people. Those people are hard to find. They're right now, yeah. we call them the unicorns. It's an ongoing joke internally. Find yeah. the unicorns, right. right? Find the ones that sit across the scope because those opportunities that customers are looking. If we're thinking our differentiation is end to end, then obviously we've got to make sure we're focusing and thinking about that. So that's how I'm looking for them. I'm looking for those folks that have kind of that mix between what we would categorize as an IoT seller mm -hmm. and a wireline seller. There's kind of a hybrid view. If you know how those people sell, how those people interact and communicate, the hybrid of those two, right? So a couple of different ways okay. to think about it. That's the aggregation point person, right? They speak geek, they speak capitalist. It's a, and they speak <laughs> end to end, right? It's, a, right? it's an interesting niche, right? You've got to figure out which one is easier to upskill because right now, there are very few that are end-to-end -end that we're seeing yet. Right. You know, that brings me to another question, which is what advice would you give to a young person who's thinking about entering the telecom industry and how did they become that unicorn? Volunteer for everything. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's part of it, right? It's just get involved. Right. I mean, there's things that, you know, for me, I learn better by failing fast. You say Failing fast means, hey, you jump in, you ask questions, you get involved, you get your hands dirty, right? That's how I learned. I think that's even more true if you're starting out early. Me sitting down trying to read and understand, because a lot of the training you have now, it's very engineer focused, right? And you want to be engineer focused in context of business. And that's the thing that software companies typically do really well, because they've got to figure out what's the end user value for doing X, Y, and Z with the application. But now they can have an opportunity to let the network assist in making that user experience better. So how do you blend those two pieces, either coming from the network side or the software side? That's kind of the first high level. 
second thing is having an ability to get to lowest common denominator, right? Now I'll give you mm. an example, right? We all, we talk in mobile, there was always this thing of, Hey, I want to get a technician to do more tickets in a day, this and that. And I started just breaking it down. It's the carry pigeon route, right? I'm going to send a pigeon one way with a message. The pigeon is going to come back with another message. How can I get that message between those two points faster is the idea. So again, that's a, one way I just mm. try to simplify things back to what you're thinking is instead of looking at the technical jargon, try to figure out how to look at it from a ducks and bunnies comical perspective, right? Find that correlation to something that you know, love and understand makes everything else easier, right? And that that's right. really what I think I could use more of. Now, second on that point, we do a lot of work with universities, right? Uh, Purdue mm -hmm. University, you've probably seen Missouri. There's another big one that's going to come out soon, you'll see. And I work with the researchers all the time. I'm like, hey, I know you guys are doing a bang up job on the technical side. How can I help right. you make these folks more pragmatic? How can I help you guys with, I know what you see in a research environment, but let me show you reality, right? So we're trying to do a lot of work with those folks too, so that we can get those entry-level folks to see the world differently than what you would see behind a research yeah. book. I'm very happy with what the work we're doing there, proud of it, and want to continue to see that because it does help with, you know, keeping the pace of technology that we're looking for. I love the fact that you go into universities and you work with them and you teach them and you, you actually teach them how to teach. We don't teach them how to teach. Well, we not just teach them how to teach, but the pragmatic Prepare. Prepare, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, I'm sure they're good at teaching. Oh, absolutely, but absolutely. But, I, you know, going in at that level and there's a generosity component there too, but mm -hmm. it's also, you know, you're preparing these young people for the future and it's yeah. not just for your future it's really for the future of the industry and the future of our world. So well, I, I, for me I, as well, I was an athlete in college, right? And, you know, the old joke was school first, football second kind of thing, right? right that was right. the old kind of joke. <laughs> Do what I show you, not what I say kind of thing. Right? right? I say that in all jest, right? It's just I was lazy. But at the same time, <laughs> I, you know, I could have used some of that tutelage from people that are doing it in a pragmatic sense, right? That would have yes. helped me tremendously. I don't know if it was done everywhere. It was probably there. And I just didn't look at it because I was too blind to open my eyes at that time. But I'm saying it wasn't there for me. So I want to go give that back and help out. in that yeah. More people need to feel that way. I, I love that. So in this new world, reskilling and upskilling are going to be crucial to get us to the next level. And you've already mentioned that yourself. And I know that AT&T invested, I believe, a billion dollars in reskilling their employees a while back. What were the results now that we're past that a bit of this reskilling and, you know, was it a success? Yeah, I tell you, I got lucky, right? When we were starting the reskilling processes, right when I was starting my rotations, right, back into our foundry and research and development at Wing. So all those tools were coming out fresh, the push was fresh. So it helped me tremendously, right? In terms of I had, I could take the class and turn around this a propeller head that was sitting beside me. Had to be good at translating because, again, he was a propeller head. But it was helpful, right? Because I could take that context and go straight to someone else. Overall, it's definitely helped, made great strides in terms of what we think about and how we operate, in particular on the wired side, when you look at how we virtualize the network and how we're continuing mm -hmm. to virtualize and think about that. And now you're seeing those effects come into product, come into the sales channels. And the teams have taken those trainings. Now you're starting to see the context and the reality of those trainings take shape. 
the conversations with customers are shifting. The conversations with uh, labs and how we communicate with labs is shifting, right? It's becoming, dare I say, more of a tech company, right? As you hinted at before, (laughs) where you're doing those tech practices in terms of, you know, trying to be, I'll say agile, maybe we say agile fall in the telco space, but, you know, (laughs) we're trying to do that. And it all starts with understanding what does a virtualized world look like? What does that skill set look like? What is cloud ran and all these new cool terms? What does that really mean? And, you know, you think, well, customers don't need to know that. Actually, it helps with customers that more than you think, right? Because they can now wrap their arms around that's what X means to Y and get me to Z. So, yeah, we made a big investment there. It's paying off. Again, the challenge is always at a big company. How do you keep continuing and keep refreshing, especially when software makes things, eats hardware's lunch? And that's where we are right now is you got to keep up. It's not a, it's not an easy task. It's not an easy task. You are so right. You're so right. What is it like to work for AT&T? What's the culture like in your opinion? I love the culture here, right? We have a great time. You know, my team, we have a great time. We push each other on my team specifically. You know, Joe, my boss, very supportive, right? Knows the role that my team's in, which is very broad across a lot of different segments. Great support there. Greg DeFrank and my chain of command, obviously working with Ann Chow, doing great things at her level. So great comfort. And they really care for us like a family. So really enjoy that. Very supportive, right? I think when I look at the way and some of the things that I touch or we touch from a over the horizon perspective, you know, there's a lot of trust in terms of the feedback tactically to the leader strategically. And I think in a very technology, fast paced moving world, you have to have that trust and you see that, right? I mean, obviously there's always challenges, but I feel like I can go to any step of the leadership change, share with data, right? You can't just go and say, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z, share with data and you get support. Right. And it goes both ways. Right. I've got to be giving them the truthful examples of what's happening. We've earned it, but they're giving us the ability to go push the limit on things. And that's supportive. To me, support is the biggest thing. Right. I'm going to go do the job. I got the drive to go do it. Just support me. And I see that every day and I'm thankful for it. You know, it helps make the job fun, I should say. And speaking of making the job fun, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, gosh, I want to work for AT&T. What kind of jobs are available? I'm curious. If you have, before we give the website and where to go to look for jobs at AT AT&T, what about on your team? Are you hiring for your team? Because I just think that, you know, being on your team would be so special because of the way that you explain things and the commitment that you have and the passion that you have for what you're doing. So what's open on your team? Yeah, we're looking for some technical resources, unicorn technical resources, right? That can understand RAN, core, cloud, end-to-end that can speak geek and capitalist, uh, you know, obviously this is a more technical role. So move your abacus a little bit more toward the technical side, right? For that right. role. I know other teams are, we're all looking, starving for those types of roles, right? right. Labs, we're chock full in labs. We obviously we're tier one. <laughs> We've got those brains sitting in, whether it's AT&T labs or our, our tech dev or support windows. We've got those resources at depth. It's hard to transition those into a customer facing role because they're so valued in the roles that they're in. So we really need those folks that can go stand in front of the customer that aren't as tied to the backend implementation stuff or lived in that implementation stuff. So those are the places where, you know, I need that. We also need, you know, you you look at just the scale, right? It's just, I need scale. We need scale to sell it. So that, that whole conversation is shifting 
uh, to that. But for me personally, the biggest role that we're looking for is more of those technical speaking side, kind of end-to-end sort of uniform models. Yes, and customer facing as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I say customer facing both ways, internal and external, right? Because there's an internal, internal sale and an external okay. sale. So you've got kind of both, right? Yeah. You're, you may talk to a customer, strip away the anonymize the customer, but take that rationale back to the technical teams and help them validate roadmap versus delivery. You know, I'm hearing that as the industry changes, I think it's a great opportunity for everyone, all of us, young, no matter what age or where you are, to really upgrade your skills. And let's say if you have really good soft skills and you're great with people, you're great with customers, you know, really upgrade your tech skills and then vice versa. If you're very technical, you know, really look at upgrading your emotional intelligence and your soft skills and your ability to maybe take a sales course. I mean, there's some opportunities to really converge yourself, you know? I laugh as you say that because I take the, what is it, one of those tests and uh, it's funny. So everything for me is about 50-50 down the list until you get to emotion versus task, right? <laughs> I have no emotion. I'm all task. So when you think about those things, it tells me and my job function, I have to literally set up, you know, you talk about changing how you work because you know thyself, right? I have to right. set up calendar appointments to say thank you sometimes. I'm not just, right? <laughs> Take somebody to coffee this month, right? Those are the kind of things That's you great. do. But sure. I say that because it's an engineering mind in the all tasks, no logic, all tasks, no emotion. Right. So right. you're right. You got to think about not just Smart. the technical side. So. Yes. And also you're very smart to, you know, put it in your calendar because you have to support yourself with structures as well. So Jason, I could talk to you for hours. I just find it so fascinating. And I always learn a lot from our conversations. Where can our audience go to learn more about careers at AT&T? Yeah, thanks. AT&T.jobs. That'll take you there. That'll give you the full list of everything you're looking for. If 5G is your curiosity space, just put 5G in the search engine and you'll find mine plus several others, I'm sure or similar names will pop out of that. That sounds great. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jason. Thank you. Appreciate for having me. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.